What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Hey, hi, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my fabulous co-host, Mo DeKeel. Um, a trade happens in the NBA. We're not sure if you heard about it. Uh, a certain free agent also decided where he was going to play next year, and then a trade followed. A Danley Johnson has decided to sign with the Raptors. Yes, that is the big signing. We're going to give you 90 minutes on Stanley Johnson to the Raptors in just, in just a second, as soon as we get our housekeeping notes out of the way on this emergency-ish podcast, since it's like a good 12 hours or so, 14 hours after the trade was completed in the dead of the night on East Coast time anyway. But before we get into it all, uh, I just want to remind, implore, beg, plead with everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We love seeing those numbers go up. We can also be found wherever else you are consuming your podcast, but iTunes is still the best way to let us know that you are out there, you are listening, and that we are not talking about Stanley Johnson for 90 minutes to absolutely no one. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, the show is at Hardwood Knox. I encourage you to follow Mo on Twitter at Mo DeKeel underscore MBA. That's at M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore MBA. You can follow Andy, who's not here today, on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey, spelled like it sounds. I am at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. And last but certainly not least, if you have not checked out the Blue Wire Podcast Network, what are you even doing right now? Awesome stuff being put out there in a a crazy volume just daily. We really have the NBA and the NFL and the NBA draft just just on lock right now. Uh, So be on the lookout. Check out some of our other podcasts. Follow Blue Wire on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. With all of those housekeeping notes now out of the way, we get to the question that everyone is clearly dying to know why they're listening to this podcast. Mo, are the Raptors championship favorites with Stanley Johnson? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, obviously. Obviously not. Uh, and that's not why we're here. Uh, let's, oh, let's... It's not? All right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Dan. I know your, your, your love for Stanley Johnson is, uh, is big, but... Uh, not so much that. I think we got to start. Uh, we got to start with what the Raptors lost today or last night, or however you want to look yeah, so, at it. So Kawhi signs decides to sign with the Clippers, and then immediately after, while you were hangry and everything, uh, <laughs> pa- Paul George gets traded to the Clippers in what was one of those out of nowhere deals. Um, the Hall, which I think is the best starting point for talking, is the Thunder are sending Paul George to the Clippers in exchange for. A 2021 Miami Heat unprotected first-round pick. A 2022 Los Angeles Clippers unprotected first-round pick. A 2023 lottery-protected first-round pick from the Heat. They also have the right to swap picks with the Clippers in 2023. They will then get the Clippers' 2024 first-round pick unprotected. They have the right to swap picks with the Clippers again in 2025. And then they will get another unprotected pick from the Clippers in 2026, in addition to Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari, two of the players that I have been caping for the hardest since their careers began. So congratulations to my large adult sons for getting the chance to maybe play with Russell Westbrook. In total, though, this amounts to five first-round picks plus two swaps and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari. Holy crap is all I have to say about that. What were What were your impressions on what the – what, um, on that, just seeing that haul for the Thunder. I know they're losing Paul George, but Mo, what were your reactions to seeing it? How much they were getting for him? I think it was a great move for the Thunder. I mean, Paul George had requested the trade. It, it 
Kawhi was recruiting him once, it sounds like from the reports we've all read, Kawhi was recruiting him after the KD had said no sort of situation. So the the Thunder were in a tough position. And, and instead of kind of doubling down and saying, no, we're not going to trade you, they they said, hey, let's just see what we can get. And they got a massive haul from that. They, they according to Zach Lowe, tried to get the Raptors involved to see if they were interested in, in Paul George and Westbrook. I don't, I don't think the Raptors were. It doesn't sound like it. And let's just be honest, this is a huge haul. And for the Clippers side of it, it's not just giving all this up for Paul George. Right. It's given this up for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard because it doesn't sound like Kawhi was coming unless they made this move. So you get both of those and you're ready to roll. And I think that's the uh, that's that's kind of the move you got to make. It's the same way as the Lakers having to make a huge give up a ton to get Anthony Davis. Like that's just what you got to do to get these guys now. And big massive haul for the Thunder puts them in an interesting situation. Obviously puts the Clippers in contender status. And, you know, the other thing kind of sends a little bit of a shot to the Lakers who coveted Paul George a year ago, couldn't even get a meeting with him. Now he's a Clipper. Wanted to pair Kawhi with LeBron and AD. He's not interested and goes to the Clippers. It's across the hall. Uh, L.A. has become now the center point of NBA basketball. Not a coincidence that I happen to live there. I'm pretty sure I just bring, I just draw all that in, Dan. I think that's kind of, you know, you're welcome, everybody. How long after you settled down in L.A. did, did LeBron join the Lakers? I mean, it was a few years, but I also oh. brought Chris Paul in as oh, well. Oh, so it was around that time. All right. Yeah, there you go. Mo was responsible for L.A. becoming now just the mecca of, of NBA contendership. I just bring good basketball wherever I go, Dan. That's just kind of what happens. You know, if, if you want me to move to your city, I mean, gotta... you made us watch the Lakers this season, so let's not go that far. No, but, I, you know, I, it takes time, man. You can't rush <laughs> it, man, okay? You got to let me kind of make my chessboard and, and figure out where I want pieces to fall first before I allow that to happen. The last question I kind of have on the Thunder, since I think it's just pretty straightforward for them, they got a good haul for Paul George in a situation that – he has, you know, two more years left on his deal with a player option, but stars just have all the power in today's NBA. If he wants out, you flip him. They get a good haul for him. Do they move Russell Westbrook now, or do you think that they're going to go the let's see where we lie with this core? Maybe they even go the the crazy, or I don't want to say crazy, but the absurd route of uh, trying to retool around him with some of these assets that they've gotten. I don't know. It gets really interesting. You know, I think it's a matter of what's out there. You got to see what the market is for Russ. I don't think he's going to bring you a ton back just because of his massive contract. And, you know, it it feels like he has a knee surgery every year before the season starts. So you kind of get a little bit nervous in that regard for a guy that really is dependent on his athleticism to, to explode to the basket and make moves. So that's something that would scare me. I'd be curious to see what they do. I mean, with everything they have, they, they can put together a good trade package if they want to build around Russ. You know, maybe a guy like Bradley Beal or a Kevin Love could be somebody they could look at with, with these assets. I think that's kind of the key thing here. These We always talk about the accumulation of assets, these draft picks, really, and think, okay, who are you going to draft with that? I go, you know, the bigger piece is what can you use that with? You know, how do you use that to bring in another guy? And I think we saw what the Clippers did. You know, they, they were smart jumping in that Miami trade and absorbing Mo Harkless's contract and getting a Miami protected first round pick. That's just another piece in the asset tool, which helps them in this situation when it's like, OK, cool. We're going to throw that in there in the Paul George trade so that we can kind of become a over, uh, contender overnight. And now the now the Thunder have all those pieces. So it's an interesting situation. I think they can kind of build around that or they can just say, hey. Screw it. We're going total rebuild. We're going to shop Steven Adams. We're going to shop Westbrook. We're going to, we're going to move these guys. We're going to tank for a little bit and be bad. Gallinari's money comes off the books after this year, and, and we're going to do a full rebuild. So they can kind of go either way. It's a real interesting situation, and it's something that Sam, Sam Presti has options now. He didn't before this, to be honest. You know, they, they had no way of improving this team. They were locked into this team you know, going into the season unless they moved one of these guys. Now that they moved George and got a huge haul like we're talking about, they have options and it allows them to kind of think differently and they can they can kick things around now in the 
in the Thunder's offices a little bit and maybe even get creative. Did you the first of all? Did you happen to see the Serge Ibaka trade tree that I put on Twitter before? I did not, but I'm but I think I saw Zach Lowe kind of mentioned it. Like Serge Ibaka netted them. Yeah, it's that actual tree is just wild. I'm not saying that they're. I mean, they're better compared to Serge Ibaka. They're better off, but they traded him for uh, Sabonis, Oladipo. Ursan Ilyasova, and then they trade Ursan Ilyasova and a protected first that might become two seconds, depending on what happens this year with the team for Jeremy Grant, who's still on the team. Then they trade Sabonis and Oladipo for Paul George. Then they trade Paul George for all of this. That's just a wild progression of assets. I found it just fascinating because we we do always look back at those things, but just looking at how much they turned Serge Ibaka on an expiring contract into is their situation. It's just, it was fascinating to me. The thing that I think is a problem for them is I would start the the full-on rebuild. I know probably tanking in a market like OKC for a year is even tough, but when you look at Westbrook, $171.1 million um, owed over the next four years, and now you're at a point in free agency where the cap space is dried up. So there aren't a ton of teams that are going to be able to offer you cap relief, even if they weren't. Um, even if they were willing to take on his money. And so where I'm at with them, and this is in the early stages of everything that's happening, you know, if you go out and get a Bradley Beal, maybe you you sort of, you would get to retain some of those assets and retool around Russ, but I might just leave it as is and see where you kind of are at midseason because there's a chance, I mean, Shade Gilgis-Alexander is going to be really good. Um, I would set the over-under of his all-star appearances at three, and I might take the over, and I'm dead serious there. And then Gallo was a borderline all-star last year maybe you end up being competitive and and if you're not or maybe there are just other teams that emerge out of the woodwork who want a point guard um and are able to trade you packages that save you money not next season necessarily but in the seasons to come and because immediately i just can't think of suitors for westbrook like maybe the heat um they're just in a weird situation because they're hard capped with the jimmy butler trade so there would be a lot of machinations that need to be worked there mid-season though maybe you talk about Oh, or the Suns kind of done with the Ricky Rubio exper- experiment, and they have Tyler Johnson's expiring contract. What happens if Markel Fultz doesn't play or doesn't turn anything into Orlando? Can we really ever rule out the Knicks from short circuiting a rebuild, even though they reportedly rejected a trade for Chris Paul? That's just knowing what's at, well. I can't say knowing since a trade like this comes out of nowhere. But when you look at the potential market for Westbrook, I would argue that at least kicking the can until the trade deadline and running with this core for now would probably be their best course of action. Yeah. I don't think they even need to be in a rush. You know, I don't think they have to really feel any pressure. You know, they have Westbrook signed for a long time. Uh, they have Steven Adams, you know, if, if the market's there, if somebody approaches them with a trade that really kind of knocks their socks off, they can go ahead and make that move. It's, it's just such an interesting situation but just the fact they have options is is the most important thing you know we see some of these teams that are just stuck and you look at them going like man they have no way to improve they maybe have a mid-level or a biannual or whatever you know to to find a guy but even that's not going to net you much you know this situation now with the thunder is they're they're in a situation they can think now and they can look around and say what do we want to do now what do we want to project our next five years you know we tried we locked ourselves into russ and paul george didn't work out as well as we liked last season. What do we want to look like next year? What do we want to look like five years from now? So I think that's the answers now that they get to have, uh, the answers they have to find. And that's the stuff that, you know, Presti's done a great job. Presti doesn't get, he gets a lot of heat. And I'm one of the guys that gave me for the, the Harden trade. But he does a good job, man. He, he puts together these things and situations. And, you know, he, he made lemonade out of lemons. You know, Paul George asked him to, you know, he wanted to be traded to the Clippers. He didn't really panic and he didn't just take the first offer that came his way. He just said, you know, uh, it's like uh, that really bad movie, uh, dude's, dude, where's my car? You know, and he's just kind of like, you know, and then, okay, we're going to give you this. Okay. And then, you know, okay, this. And, and then, like, he just kind of kept doing it over and over again. And then it's finally like, okay, now he basically controls draft picks for like the heat the clippers their own i mean that's three teams right there it's it's pretty crazy so you have to kind of tip your hat to them and now it's just a matter of seeing which way the organization wants to go and you're right do they want to do a full rebuild even though in a small market city or you know do they want to try to just stay relevant and 
and see if they can just add a few pieces. You know, it'll be interesting to see what Sam Presti thinks. You know, by the moves he makes, we'll know what he thinks, how far the Thunder are with, you know, really contending. Is there something to the actual question on Thunder that maybe Russ, just because of his force of nature style, is almost maybe not long term, but you could argue he's better off where. Well, not better off where, but the Thunder can tread water um, with just a bunch of complimentary players around him as opposed to having to, even Paul George, who seemed like the ideal secondary star, but not having to worry about that second star talent and then the team really is on his back and there isn't as much being looked at about his usage. Is there a chance that this roster is just a, if you're going to keep Russell Westbrook, that it ends up being a better fit for who Russell Westbrook is? That's a tough question, man. I mean, is it a stupid Paul, question? You can answer that one first. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a stupid question. It's a tough one. The, you know, like Paul George was a great fit for them. And I would have loved to have seen this Thunder team with a healthy Andre Roberson. Uh, I think he would have really, he would have given them, they could have been the best defensive team in the league, really, if he was healthy. And who knows what happens with, with his uh, career with this injury and everything. But it, you know, Russ is a tough guy to play with. You know, he's, he's ball dominant. He's not a great shooter, so it's not a guy you can really kind of just go put off in the corner or things like that. And every year they always talk about Russ is working on his shooting, da 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 but it never pans out. So it's it's I don't know who you pair him with. You know, is Bradley Beal a guy you look at and you say, can he play the Paul George role? I mean, he might be able to. Um, has that history with Billy Donovan, so that makes things – a little, little more interesting and a little more institutional knowledge there, or, or do you need to spread the floor? Or he spreads the floor, excuse me. But do you need to get a shooting big? Do you look at a guy like Kevin Love? That's just where it gets interesting. I'm not sure. I mean, I have no idea what they're going to do. I just think they have. I, I'm broken record at this point, but the fact they have options makes things a little easier for them. The Raptors. They still won the, the initial Kawhi trade because they won a championship, and it seems like they were always intent on rebuilding. This, the way the reporting that's coming out now, it doesn't seem like he was ever close to leaning towards the Raptors. Uh, not only was he recruiting Paul George, but it was apparently, this is per Woj, and I think Ramona Shelburne as well, the Clippers were worried that he was just going to go to the Lakers, which is in part why they were so willing to do this deal to prevent the formation of another super team. And then the Russell Westbrook and Paul George to Toronto stuff, one of the sticking points there seemed to be, of course, Russ's contract and the Raptors having to give up Pascal Siakam, presumably their best salary fillers when you look at their expiring contract, maybe even OG Ananobi and picks. But also, it never mentioned that Leonard committed to coming back to them if they completed that trade. And so I'm wondering if the Raptors were further away from keeping him than maybe many of us thought, or at least I thought after the the good vibes that were incited from, from them winning a championship with him and, and beyond that, really managing his health well during the regular season. Yeah, I, I'm gonna push back a little bit. I think they were close I think they were second. I don't think the Lakers were were the second option. I think the Clippers pulled this trigger because they were afraid he might go to the Lakers. And that was certainly a possibility. But I don't know if they had a feel. I don't know if any of these three teams had a feel for where they were in Kawhi's uh, rankings. And I think that's kind of part of why they made the move and why they went this the way they went uh, for the Clippers. For the Raptors, this was 100% calculated in their equation when they made this trade for Kawhi. They knew full well, hey, he might leave in a year. He wants to go to L.A. Like, there's no doubt about it. This is very much a, a one-year rental for us. We're not too worried. We're not too concerned about that. You know, if he leaves, he leaves. You know, not big deal. You know, we'll, we'll begin to start figuring out our future from there. They're in a good spot because they have so many expiring contracts after this year that they're in a situation where, like, we can do this, you know. And the best part about this is they got a championship out of it. You know, this is a thousand percent worth it. Everybody was saying it, even if Kawhi leaves, all worth it because they won the championship. And that's held true for them. So I think it's a situation they knew was very possible. This wasn't like something that came out of nowhere. Like the first time Kawhi demanded a trade from the Spurs and we were all, we were a lot of, I wasn't even sure he demanded the trade. I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> um, 
you know, you, you, you want to do what now? And that kind of stuff. So I think this is, this was definitely in the calculations when they made the trade. It was something Masai was aware about all year. Obviously they would have preferred to keep him, but they knew this was a possibility. So I'm not too surprised by it uh, from the Raptors end. I think they're going to try to build now. We're going to find out really how good Pascal Siakam is. You know, it's one thing when you're the second or third option, but when you become the number one option and teams are really locked in on you, it's a different kind of deal. And we'll, we'll find out what the story is with Siakam. And they have assets now, you know. They got Marcus all in the same way that they can move him at the trade deadline. If they're not happy with where the team is or don't think they're in a situation where they can win or they can get some good assets for him, they'll, they'll flip him. Same thing with Kyle Lowry. You know, Masai is very active. He's not the kind of guy that just kind of stands pat. So this is something that you got to watch for. Like, he'll flip these guys pretty quick if he find the right deal that will make them better. And on the flip side, too, they had a pretty damn good record in those games where Kawhi had load management. So, you know, it's not like they're a terrible team at this point. No, and I, if they want to make the playoffs next year, I think they absolutely would with this core in the Eastern Conference. It's just a matter of, you know, do you want to play that game where you're going after a playoff berth? And then, yes, you'll have – they have a pretty open-ended path to dual max slots next summer, but that's not the summer to have that many uh, max contract slots. And so I am interested to see what they end up doing from here because, yeah, there's something too, I think, unless you're going to get a great deal – um, of keeping this core together and going after a playoff berth, but then where do you go after this season? It's not a nucleus that you'll want to keep intact. Uh, you know, you have Pascal Siakam, but you look at how old Kyle Lowry is, how old Gasol is. So it, th- that seems a little bit difficult from there, but they're not barren, like you said. And I would expect, obviously, Masai Ujiri to be aggressive and maybe seeing what he could get for these guys. He also seems like they might look at this as a two-year rebuild. Maybe it's if you can flip these expiring contracts for – picks and assets that are attached to these deals that spill into not this upcoming season, but also the one after. And then you go into 2021 free agency with a ton of cap room, even with Siakam resigned. Granted, the Raptors have never been this hardcore destination for free agents, but then maybe you've compiled enough assets by taking on that longer term money, I'll call it, to go out and make another type of risk. It's a really interesting position that they're in. And, uh, you know, this is – it complicates the Russell Westbrook trademark a little bit too if you make Kyle Lowry available because if you're willing to pay an expensive point guard, the more attractive one is going to be Kyle Lowry on an expiring contract. So I – if you had to guess or what – or if you if you were just beside you, Jerry, what are you doing with this team? Are you going for the, play, the playoff route next year? Is this just a – ear to the ground type of situation where you don't plan on doing anything, but if an opportunity arises in the middle of the season, you jump at it, or is there another route that you take? I think you just sit back and let's see how the season plays out for a while and make decisions at the trade deadline. I mean, one thing that could be interesting, you know, I'm literally just drawing this on the wall. So a casual look at salaries too. So who knows if this actually is legal or whatnot. So, you know, don't come at me. The, why not talk to Oklahoma City about flipping Gasol and for Steven Adams and a couple of draft picks? You know, uh, that's that's something that I think you, you could see happening, you know, and, and Adams comes off the books in 2021. Like, I think that you're right. I think the route I would do is probably look for a two year rebuild, try to keep as much of my try to keep cap space wide open and for 2021, which is supposed to be a big year. Uh, I believe uh, Giannis is going to be on the market and. Who knows what's going to happen with Milwaukee over the next few years. And I think it's those are the type of things you'd probably look at and want to kick around. You know, Russ only has two years left on his deal, too. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, these are the things I might want to start to look at if if I were Messiah. I think that's, that's the stuff you, you want to see how the team does. If you look like, hey, we're going to be really good going into the playoffs. Maybe you go for it, but if you get some assets out of it, I think that's the route I do. I'd probably just see how it plays out and see what teams need, what our potential trade partners might need. You know, is there a need for Kyle Lowry somewhere? Can we get a few assets out of it? This is the trick that good front offices do, right? This is the Clippers getting that pick, like we talked about from Miami for taking Mo Harkless. You know, this is just finding ways to 
hey, we're going to give you this guy and we'll take on this contract that we know isn't going to expire this year, but it's going to expire next year. And we're going to get an asset out of that in terms of a, a draft compensation. Like these are the smart moves you make. And this is the stuff I would look at if I was uh, Masai. And that'd be something I'd be be on my mind right now, even start kind of planning and let's see how things play out in the season. So I wouldn't be in a rush to do anything now. Um, even the deals they made, you know, the, the deal we joked about Stanley Johnson, it's a two year deal. Like he's already saying, we're not going past that. We're going to make sure we have cap space in 2021. The little bit of breaking news on the pod, uh, Russell Westbrook and his agent, this is per Woj, that fat, I can't even pronounce the name. Foucher, Foucher are engaged with, Oklahoma City general manager Sam Presti on next steps for the all-star guard, including the possibility of a trade this summer. That's not really anything too new. He was always a name to watch, but it does seem that um, just based off the reporting that the Thunder were trying to get him to Toronto, that it might actually be open season on on Westbrook's availability now. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's going to be a real interesting thing. And And I actually thought, now looking at his contract, I thought his deal went longer. I didn't realize it went. It you heard it here. Mo says you should give up a, a top three pick for Russell Westbrook because his deal's shorter than he realized. I mean, I like that we're just going to say and make up stuff, Dan. But uh, <laughs> um, sure. The uh, but I think it's interesting. I mean, you know what? If you're Charlotte, you need to get some excitement. Do you make a move like that? I don't know if they can. Don't even come at me. Uh, or or the Knicks. If you're the Knicks, <laughs> this is. Crazy. This is kind of perfect, to be honest with you. If they wouldn't take out, you think Russell Westbrook is better on his deal than Chris Paul is on his, even though Paul's is a year shorter at this point? No, no, Paul's is a year longer. Isn't it? I thought Paul only had three and Russell Westbrook had four. uh, The contract I'm looking at, Westbrook's done in 2021. And then Paul has a player option for the 2021-22 season. Am I looking at the wrong thing? I have Westbrook on the books through his player options in 2022-2023 unless I messed up my own salary cap sheets. I'll double-check that. I'm going to give a shout-out. I'm going to go – because I was looking on on Hoops Hype, but I'm going to give a shout-out to my guy Keith Smith, who salary cap guru uh, will – and with all his cap sheets will will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) – Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm an idiot, people. Sorry, guys. Uh, it, yeah, no, I, you don't do it. Don't do it. I think what you touch upon, though, is interesting for a team like Charlotte or even, again, Orlando, if Markel Fultz doesn't pan out. Is there, just looking at Russell Westbrook's value, is this a situation where you actually see the Thunder getting anything aside from salary cap relief, either in the short term or just the long term? I can't, I'm, I'm trying to think of a team that might give something in a trade and the only one I can feasibly think of is maybe Miami you know do they include Bam Adebayo or Tyler Hero if you're getting rid of one of your other bad deals in the process like if the Thunder are taking back Waiters or James Johnson just because their deals are shorter or do you think this is going to end up being if, if a team takes a swing like maybe it's just the opportunity cost where they realize hey it's only money and we cost ourselves financial flexibility because the Thunder aren't going to be looking for or not in a position to man, demand much beyond that. Yeah, you know what? I actually, now that you mentioned it, I kind of like Miami for teaming up with Jimmy Butler. Uh, it'd be a very interesting locker room, but <laughs> I kind of, I kind of feel like the two of them would get along. But this is why, if you're Miami, you went and got Jimmy Butler. You know, this is to to add a to be able to add another star. I think that's an interesting one. I don't know what the market is for Russ. I don't know if you're going to get massive amounts of assets. You know, as I just learned, because I'm a moron, uh, his contract goes much longer than I thought. Uh, this, uh, it's it's a scary deal. You know, we're, a lot of injuries and, 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 and leg injuries, which are something that would worry me. Um, and that's a long deal that could be tied in and, and, and a large portion of your cap tied into this guy. I don't know what you get for him. I don't know if you get a lot. So it, for me, it almost, you kind of do a salary dump. I'm not sure. Um, it's a tough situation if, if to, to figure that market out. But, you know, Miami's going to be hungry for a star. Charlotte's going to be hungry to, to, to remain relevant. Although I don't know how. Got to get that next Jordan brand star in there too. Yeah. Another Jordan guy. Uh, 
Orlando, like you said, would be interesting. I just don't know what you get back for him. There's just I just can't see it being a a massive haul back. But they already got their massive haul from Paul George, you know, moving him to the Clippers. So maybe that's something that's uh if you can get out of the tax this season, I think they're inside ten million of the tax now after this Paul George trade. I would count that as a win, but I do I'll at least throw myself into this. When you're so far from a distance, I feel like there's that risk to sort of devalue assets. I mean, the, I think the Blake Griffin trade caught us by surprise uh, when what what the Clippers were able to get from the Pistons for that. And so maybe there is always a team willing to give up. I don't. I won't say a premium, but just something valuable for the cachet of someone who in Westbrook is still a star. Uh, and but then there's also this Chris Paul stuff where I don't know how overblown the discord was or whether there even was this was discord. But if, if the Knicks weren't even willing to take him into salary cap space, uh, maybe the Rockets were being super particular, but so there's just that push and pull there. If you can, when, when a superstar is still a star, but he's on a very undesirable contract, it's very tough to figure out what the market for him could be. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. I'm going to keep an eye on Miami though. I could see them trying to get a little, little sneaky in there. Uh, I had to. I was writing stuff about Russ's future after this happened, and the thing with Miami is just the, the hard cap makes it so tough. And so I think now you have to hope that the Thunder would take back Anderson's deal; it's expiring, and then a James Johnson or a Waiters or a Linick, and then you would then have to still scour the market for that Dragic dump, which Dallas still has the room to do that, so that you could remain under the luxury tax apron. I'm not sure if that complicates it a ton, depending on what Oklahoma City's timeline is on such a move like this because the Mavericks aren't going to keep their cap space forever. And um, there's a, I don't know the exact date right now, but there's a, a guarantee date for Ryan Anderson's deal as well. So it's, it's interesting, but they, they would be the team where it seems to just make the most sense because you know that uh, Pat Riley is just this star hunter and he wanted to get more big names and Russell Westbrook certainly fits that mold. Yeah. I think it's kind of uh I think there's, there's good opportunities for this is where the Knicks can be smart and, and steal an asset by taking on a Dragic deal um, in, in, in that situation. Or, or they'd save their cap space like a normal team. But Well, how, how long? Dragic expires after this year, doesn't he? Correct, yeah. Yeah, I got one, one salary right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, uh, and I apologize, fans, for that. I'm I'm not the cap guru. Dan is on our pod, uh, not me. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they can work out. My thing is, teams will always find a way if they're really motivated, right? You know, that for the most part, you know, they'll 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 maneuver, they'll do some crazy things, you know, to try to get there. It's gonna be. I'm telling you right now, that Woj report came up, and maybe even before. You know, Presti's phones has probably been going nonstop with text messages sure. and phone calls right now. And his assistant GMs are all, all their phones are getting blown up. So it's going to be interesting. And the thing is, everybody feels like they have a chance right now. You know, even Kawhi going to the Clippers and not forming a super team with the Lakers kind of almost makes it even like, oh, wow, we really do have parity in the league right now. Yeah. So this is a massive sort of thing that's going to clear out. Stuff. So I, I won't be surprised if, if we're on a emergency pod two, three days from now talking about <laughs> a trade. I won't be. It's something that could certainly happen. I would just hope that they allow us some sleep before the emergency pod needs to happen. Sleep is in August, dude. Stop it, Dan. No, Stop. Mo. I'm tired and I'm cranky. <laughs> Listen, I basically gave up dinner, which is rare in my life. Gave up one meal. <laughs> okay. To, to, to follow all this stuff last night. There really are no complaints when you do what we do either. We cover a freaking game. so And and, and most important, I basically just ate dinner and was just scrolling through my phone. Everybody else is partying in Vegas, and there I am eating uh, late-night mac and cheese and chicken wings. Weird combination, I know. but That is uh, bizarre. How was that for you? It worked out all right. It was really good mac and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) And and just scrolling through my phone, just reading all the the news because it just kind of kept coming. Do you know what the worst sound in the world is? It's your alarm clock if you haven't gotten enough sleep. No matter how much you love that song on your phone, when it wakes you up in the morning, you just don't want it to stop. I personally have to wake myself to loud, heart-pumping EDM music just to make sure that I get out of bed. 
Now, imagine this scenario. The surface temperature of your bed gradually adjusts to wake you up gently and naturally without the sound of the alarm. Imagine now waking up rested and alert. Not science fiction. This is the new Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. And there's a reason why Time Magazine calls 8 one of the best inventions of the year. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. And no more alarm clocks. To celebrate Independence Day, get a free gravity cooling blanket plus free shipping with your pod purchase, a $300 value, free. Offer ends Monday, July 1st. Visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash bluewire. Let's switch over a little bit, Dan, and... and get off the Westbrook stuff and start talking uh, the, the Lakers, because this is going to be the fun side. One thing that I really enjoyed about this this trade and Kawhi going to the Clippers and not the Lakers, all the fake news dudes out there who I have sources, um, that dude from Lakers Reddit who popped up on Twitter, um, that young kid who I'm not even going to mention his name, who is walking around going, the Clippers are out, I have sources, da, da, da. I've reported this six days ago, all that crap. All of you guys got it wrong, and it's amazing. And I couldn't have been happier about it because I didn't. I don't think you had sources in the first place. I think you were just throwing it out there. You had a one in three chance to be correct. And give credit to the actual newsbreakers, to the Chris Haynes, to the Sham Sharanian, to the Adrian Wojnarowski, to Ramona Shelburne. That stuff's hard because that's all about building relationships. And all these people have done it and all broken news and have a history of doing it. So it's like I'm going with those guys. And the fact that Laker fans ran with every possible rumor they they could to feel like they had a chance. I mean they made it seem like they had Kawhi locked in the bag. Uh, on July 1st. And it's like, this is a dude that doesn't talk to anybody. I'm right. not, I, I mean, literally like his team rarely speaks to anybody. I can't talk about interviews that Kawhi's given, like in-depth features I've read where Kawhi's given a, a, a writer a ton of time or uncle Dennis or any of those guys. Um, so nobody had any clue. And for the people that acted like they knew what was going on, man, go kick rocks, dude. I couldn't have been happier that you, you, you got this wrong. The I, I totally agree with you, and it makes it – I'm sure it makes those reporters' jobs just a, a million times harder when you have people buying into these fake reports at the expense of their own official ones where Woj is all of a sudden this he, – he has an agenda against the Lakers and only the Lakers, or he's being paid by the Clippers as a joke. It's I mean, people mess around, but it's really a disservice to the work that all of these guys, Chris Haynes, Ramona Shelburne, like all these reporters put in. And so that stuff frustrates me. Actually missing out on Kawhi Leonard, though, for the Lakers, like it's not a problem. I know they then missed out by extension on other free agents, but if you had the one in three chance to get Kawhi Leonard, like it seems that you did, you wait this long. You just do it. And, uh, you know, they've rebounded with signings, um, including DeMarcus Cousins, who just signed with the Lakers while we're recording this podcast. I'm not sure if you saw that. I was about to mention that, too. Yeah. One year deal. Him and Anthony Davis running it back together. Um, they have Danny Green. I like the Quinn Cook signing. JaVale McGee's back. They'll be they'll be a real NBA team. And I I I move away from calling the Clippers or the Lakers favorites. I think what also adds to the parity of the league right now is that now the Clippers and the Lakers and even the Nets, even though they won't have KD, they're they're in year one of like these sort of overhauls. And so it it makes it less likely that they put it all together in one season. I know the Raptors kind of just did it, but it just makes it a little less likely when you're dealing with uh, acquisitions of this magnitude. So that opens the door for everybody else. But I don't have an issue with what the Lakers did. We could, the timing of the, the Anthony Davis trade, I don't want to hear that it was planned or that it was something where the Lakers front office screwed up. If this was the plan, like to go the lengths to create cap space that they did after the fact, it just doesn't make sense. Like you should have been able to push this deal back. That should have been a stipulation with all that you gave up. However, this is me saying I'm fine with what the Lakers did here, waiting on Kawhi Leonard, and now you've rebounded. You're still 
a contender in the West so long as both LeBron and, and AD remain healthy. Yeah, just first off, there's, there's a lot of points I want to hit with the Lakers. Like, just first off, you do wait for Kawhi. I mean, look at how much crap the Knicks took for canceling a meeting with Kawhi. You know, and nobody really felt like the Knicks were in it. But, you know, would have been crazy how much crap the Lakers would have taken if they didn't wait for Kawhi and he came out later going like, I was really interested in the Lakers. I wanted to hear what they would have had to have offered. The timing of the trade thing, like that's been killed. We've gotten it uh, over and over again. You know, they, they botched that. You can say it however you want. And it even if Kawhi didn't make their decision, the I believe the timing of the trade would have affected their cap space you know, if they did it on the six, and I'm not sure how that worked. Uh, there was rumblings about like they might even be out of the Kawhi running if they have to, if they can't push the trade back at, a little longer. Um, there's, you know, all of those things. They did a good job. You can tell they were working in the background of, hey, talking with agents, going like, if Kawhi makes his decision and it's not us, we want to talk to your guy. Like, keep him, keep him available. And a few guys came off the the market before they, they probably would have wanted to, they would have wanted to have a conversation with some of these guys. But you know, the second that happened, Danny green, boom, done. Quinn cook was done this morning. I mean, they got JaVale McGee, re-signed JaVale McGee last night. Cousins. Now they've, they're putting together a, a squad and, and you know what? They're putting together a pretty good one. I mean, you starting out with two top 10 guys and LeBron and AD. I think you're, you rebounded really nicely in this situation. Like you said, you got to put it all together now. You know, how does this all work? Who's going to play where? You know, you got Queen Cook. You know, I'm, I'm guessing Rondo's coming back on a minimum. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to see happen that they got to start putting together guys around the edges and see how it works out. I mean, Rondo, AD, and Cousins paired up again for the first time. I mean, since New Orleans, it's going to be pretty fun. I mean, they, they all enjoyed each other. You know, I think LeBron enjoys playing with Rondo. I think there's going to be some interesting aspects to that. I think it's going to be – they're going to be a contender, however you want to slice it. It's just, you know, it's going to take time. And overall, the West is pretty damn stacked. Yeah, there's just – I mean, a lot of people seem to be sleeping on the Nuggets too just because they it, haven't made any changes. It drives me insane. Like people are going like – people keep forgetting about the Nuggets. I'm like, they, they have continuity. They have the one thing you value more than anything else. They're not going to – only piece they're going to have to incorporate is Michael Porter Jr. And we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I am really pissed off he's not playing summer league. I mean, he, he got hurt. So, obviously, I hope he gets well. <laughs> but the anger think, comes first. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's all about me, guys. You got to understand. It's all about Mo uh, and Mo's stomach. What do I want to eat? Uh, the – but you know, I was really excited to see what he would look like. Um, unfortunately, we're we're not going to get to see him in summer league play. But it's you know that's their big free agent acquisition. You know that's the guy they got to incorporate. But they have everybody else. You know they were a game away from the conference finals. And you can talk about well if they played this team or they didn't play anybody. They got playoff experience. They won a game seven and they lost a game seven. I mean I, I'm shocked people are sleeping on the Nuggets. Really good coach in Mike Malone. They got a solid core. They've locked everybody up, you know, and they have the other thing too is if things aren't going right, they have pieces that they can kind of flip around and, and, and turn to go get a guy. So, you know, I, I, I'm shocked people are sleeping on the Nuggets, but we have the Nuggets. Obviously, the two teams in LA. We have Utah. We have Portland. You know, uh, I think the team that's really this really kind of is the loser in all this is Houston. I think Houston's really going to struggle because these guys. This is going to be too tough for them. They have continuity. But yeah, have, I agree with you. But I also, you know, we've talked about it before, but just, you know, they also have some bad, you know, you have a lame duck coach. You have, you know, we're going to try to change how we play. And you're asking a Tiger to change his stripes when you're asking uh, James Harden to change the way he plays. It's, it's going to be a challenge for them. And then I don't know how much, you know, where they can improve and what they do next. But Man, this is going to be a crazy season. It's wide, wide open. How do you um, how do you feel about Cousins to the Lakers after Javal is already there? Is it is this sort of a nod to 
hey, Anthony Davis still doesn't want to play center. Hey, LeBron still doesn't want to play power forward. Pretty much. That's uh, annoying to me. I think we both talked about this and we share in that annoyance. Yeah, no, it's just silly. I mean, one, I just think the game is getting more and more positionless. Uh, it's all about what you can do and what roles you play. I think I even wrote this on my website uh, a while ago. Uh, so it didn't have a good editor, so was probably iffy. Um, that Probably shouldn't have said that part. But uh, anyways, the idea was like, I'm more interested in what roles you're going to play and not what position you play. Are you the ball handler? Your job is the playmaker. Are you the sharpshooter? What do you, are you the defensive lockdown guy? You know, that's going to be the interesting thing with where the Lakers go. I think having Cousins and JaVale McGee is exactly what you said. You know, I don't know. You know, JaVale McGee might be the starting center. You know, Cousins is going to come off the bench maybe or the other way around. Who who knows? But this is something that they're going to have to figure out rotations and things like that. But you know what? Cousins coming in and sort of helping your second unit if he's healthy, pretty damn good, I think. You know, we – he came back from a bad quad, and he doesn't get enough credit for this. Carried them in game two, the Warriors in the finals. You know, had a really big game two. The game five, when unfortunately KD went out with the injury, you know, if you go back and watch the tape, Cousins saved the Warriors in those minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, the first like five minutes after the injury, you're almost like, you could expect them to be shell-shocked. And Cousins just came in in a game that it didn't look like he was going to play a single second. He came in and literally saved them and, and gave them a good five, six, seven minutes right there and really kept them afloat while everybody was almost trying to come to grips with what they just saw on the court. So I, I think a healthy Cousins, and that's a big thing. It's not easy. And a motivated Cousins could be interesting. This is this is going to be – a him coming in in the second unit and just saying, like, here, go with it. In the second unit, you and Rondo create things. You know, I think that's a good piece for them. I I, I think it's a good signing for them. I, I think Woj just tweeted that Miami was also interested in him. Uh, so, you know, the, also it's a one-year deal. It's, it's a low-risk thing. So so why not go after it? I was pulling for the Spurs to get him. I thought he would have been a nice, nice fit there. You're trying to cause chaos in one of my favorite places. Exactly. I don't. I see zero problems with that. I root for chaos. <laughs> the the Clippers. We haven't really talked about much, despite now rostering both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You pointed it out at the beginning of the podcast. This was not. What, what, look, when you read those that list of assets, it really just jumps off the page, and there's plenty of risk involved. There's when you trade out picks that far into the distance and swaps that far out to the distance, there's always the potential for risk. That commitment extends beyond both contracts for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. At the same time, as you pointed out, this was not just a straight up Paul George trade. It was for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And when you look at it as I'm getting one top five player who might be the best player in the NBA right now, or is at least in the argument for it. And then I'm getting another, you know, what do we want to call Paul George? Top 12, top 15 when he's healthy. He was certainly close to top 10 during the regular season. I mean, he was third in MVP voting. I mean, that's how good a season he had. So let's just say two top 10 players, one of which is top three in Kawhi Leonard. That's a price you pay. I just, that's just where I'm at. It's a ton to give up. But if that was the price of getting both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you do it. No, it's, you absolutely do it. I love what the Clippers did. They're able to keep Shamit. You know, I think somebody was asking on Twitter, you know, who becomes the ball handler or whatnot. You have Patrick Beverly, who can just bring the ball up and give it to Kawhi and go do his thing. Defensively, this team's going to be a beast. Excuse me. Uh, sorry. Uh, maybe you can cut that out. No, we leave it. It's got to be raw. They need to feel your pain as well. Having okay. Patrick Beverly and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the same team is just, that's just terrible for personal space of the offense. <laughs> Man, trying to score in crunch time against that that group, you know, and if they could find a, a shot blocker or a rim protector, you know, on top of all that, like, it just becomes really challenging. You know, they have sharp shooting and shamming. They have, they, they got a lot of pieces here that's good. They got a really good coach in Doc Rivers. Got a front office that's really smart and always looking to make the moves. I mean, you, you got to tip your hat to it. This isn't without risks, though. And, like, we have to be kind of clear about this. We're also talking as great as Paul George was this season, coming off finishing third as an MVP candidate. You know, 
he ended the season and had, basically had to have uh, surgery on both his shoulders. You know, uh, Kawhi Leonard limped into the finals, you know, so there is a concern there. There's, there's some risk, but you do it every time. You make this move every time because it puts you in a status level of like this, this gets us there. You know, this, this makes us actual contenders. I was with the Clippers when we traded for Chris Paul, and it was a big difference. Going into that training camp before we even were even in the Chris Paul running, we were talking about, like, man, we might be able to sneak into the playoffs and maybe snag an eight or seven seed. Uh, we got Chris Paul, and all of a sudden, we're like, yo, we're a top four team in the West. Like, there's a big difference. You know, and, you know, you have to go out there and you have to play the games and prove it. But having that cachet is big. Walking into an arena every night going, we should win this game tonight is is a big deal versus we might win, we might not. This is going to be a tough one. You know, and, and more often than not, when you can walk in with the confidence of like, this team shouldn't be able to beat us. We should win tonight is a big thing. And that's what this trade does. It really kind of lifts them up another level, a, a, a notch for the organization as a whole, a notch for the team and, and the prestige and everything. I think this is a, a big move, and, and I think it takes them out of the little brother shadow for a while of the Lakers. Yeah, for sure. I would agree there. They also they did resign uh, Zubak. It was four years and $28 million. actually happened while we were recording this before, too. Were there any – I know you mentioned shot blocking, but there's just any other glaring – I don't want to say holes, but any needs that this roster – has now I, I, I you mentioned Shamit. I just wonder if they could use some more complimentary shooters beyond that. Patrick Beverly fits that bill. Lou Williams can shoot, but he's really a guy that's good at creating with the ball in his hands. Uh, I'm just wondering if they might, they need maybe another shooter, just another guy who specializes in, you know, firing off screens, or even if he's not going to be in motion is just uh, can hit those set, ju- set jumpers off the catch when George and Leonard are just drawing so much attention near the basket. Oh, I mean, think about it. I mean, Kyle Korver is going to get bought out in Phoenix if he hasn't already. That's a guy they can look at for the, to provide that. And that the bidding for him is probably going to get going. For, a few teams are going to be interested. I imagine Philly. I imagine the Lakers would want to have a word with Mr. Korver as well. I think that's something. You know, I totally even forgot about Lou Williams and Montreal. <laughs> like, that's, that's how much a lot's happened guys it's been less than 24 hours it's been less than 12 hours really since all this went down and processing it but you know just think about it this way when those guys go to the bench when Kawhi and, and Paul George go to the bench the probably the best pick and roll duo from last season is going to be on the court you know you're gonna have Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell like that's that's tough that's a deep team you know and and that allows I forgot about you Rodney Magruder too. It's a player I actually yeah. really like. <laughs> another uh, another good pickup for them. And there's just a lot of smart things that they have, and they have a lot of pieces. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, Doc's going to have a fun time coaching this team. You know, there's just you know, even when they go to a load management, which I would expect them to do. You know, I don't expect Kawhi to play 82 games. I don't expect Paul George to play those. You know, 82 games. I think they have enough pieces with those guys that they could still win. You know, we just just have one of those guys out there a night and then you still have, you know, assuming health is good. You have Lou Williams and Harold coming off the bench and doing their thing. You know, you have Magruder who's who's going to come off the bench. You know, uh, Mo Harkless is not a, a piece to sleep on. He, he can provide a lot of value. If they find a way to get some guys in the buyout market, they're going to be interesting. Teams are going to have interest in them in the buyout market. You know, they're. They're going to be in pretty good shape going forward to really continue to add pieces with this team. I'm just just really impressed with what they've done. Like they've they built a contender. I mean, two years ago they traded Chris Paul, and everybody's like, "Oh crap," you know. And they and then they traded Blake Griffin, and then they turned around and traded, you know, Tobias Harris, which they got in the Blake Griffin trade, and got a ton of assets. You know, they've really built a championship squad in two or three years. Like it's pretty damn interesting. Do you have anything else on the fallout from this that you're, that you're itching to discuss? I feel like we covered it pretty thoroughly. There are still so many moving parts to it, though. I mean, gosh, I'll probably think of something 10 minutes after we finish. But, you know, just think about this move affected so many teams last night. You know, and, and just it's going to be a fun season, guys. Like, this is really going to be a great NBA season, just in the sense of we're going to have a ton of parity 
especially in the Western Conference. We're going to have a lot of fun teams to watch. Hopefully we have a pretty uh, healthy season across the board, knock on wood. Um, you know, and, and, and let's see how it goes. I don't know if there's anything else. I think there's going to be I, – I, I'm now the next bomb I guess we're waiting for is one – you know, when and where Westbrook goes. and we'll Yeah, the, thun- the Thunder have now become the most interesting team in the offseason. And may- just because we know now what the Lakers and Clippers have done, maybe Dallas is still up there because they have cap space hanging around, and then how does Toronto react to Leonard leaving? But if Westbrook is really on the market, you have to assume then Steven Adams is as well, and they instantly become the, the most interesting team to watch from here on for the offseason. Yeah, I would just imagine the the, the- – Freaking the phone lines are getting blown up in Oklahoma City right now. Just If you had to predict it, is Russell Westbrook on the Thunder to start the season next year? Now knowing that we have a report that there's officially a dialogue being had. I'm going to say no. I think, you know, the West, I think the Paul George trade kind of came out of nowhere. I think the, uh, one other thing, I guess, before we move on, it is pretty interesting that Kawhi Leonard recruited Paul George. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, I tried to recruit KD too. Fantastic. I think that was the sign everybody slept on that he was actually really interested in the Clippers. I think him recruiting KD and saying like, "Come with me, let's just join the Clippers." And then at one point, it was Jimmy Butler as well. I think that was the sign we all slept on that he actually really wants to be a Clipper. He just wants another guy to come with him, and I think that's the thing, you know. And and the quietest guy. You know, just found a way, you know, to, to to nudge Paul George being like, come on, man, come join me. Come home. Let's go home together, bud. Let's do it. You know, uh, it, it's pretty interesting. I think that's a uh, a big, sh- you know, shot in the arm and, and, and boost for the, the Clippers. And I think, man, it's just fascinating, the, the recruitment stuff. And, you know, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, but Meredith Minko tweeted out something that was pretty great. She's like, you know. Just because they're quiet doesn't mean they're not making moves in the back. And that's pretty much what Kawhi did, you know, and that's pretty much what the Clippers did. Yeah, the, very, the Paul very... George stuff was just not that, – that came out of nowhere. I'm sure there were insiders that knew there was talks being had over the past couple of days, but that legitimately came out of nowhere. Well, the funny thing was, like, I can't even remember. Uh, there was a podcast I was listening to where somebody kind of just threw out an idea of, like, well, you know, maybe Paul George or maybe it was a radio show or something. but like. I think even the person who threw it out there dismissed it just as quickly. Like nobody really thought that was going to happen. And sure enough, they did. I mean, they just kept it quiet. You know, Kawhi moved in silence and so did the Clippers. And that was the other, that's the other thing. How much do you think magic talking about the conversation he had with Kawhi hurt, hurt the Lakers? Cause that seems to be a thing that's out there. Dan, you there? Dan? Yeah, I'm right here. Sorry, Mo. Um, there, I had my thing on mute, so that I was typing something. I didn't want you to hear it before. I'll edit that part out. <laughs> oh, you'll edit that out, but you won't edit when I was having a, a physical problem. <laughs> yeah, that, the, the listeners need to know the pain that you're in. Um, the I might even leave that in there. Who knows? The the ah, And what was it that you just even said? Now I've lost my train of thought. Okay, but before we do that, Rondo just resigned with the Lakers on a two-year deal. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Perk beat Woj to it, too. He tweeted, Perk bomb, Rajon Rondo's going back to the Lakers. <laughs> that's awesome. Who, by the way, I'm going to get – hopefully I won't ever run into him. But he was also wrong on the Kawhi thing because he, he thought he was going to Toronto. Uh, he kept saying the Clippers were third. Just saying. Uh, Jalen yeah. Rose had him 99.9% back to Toronto. Yeah, no, uh, Chris Carter, good job. Great job there, uh, uh, breaking news there as well. Um, we're making a lot of friends right now. Uh, but the my question to you was, it's been out there a bit, where <laughs> the Magic Johnson kind of talking about his meeting with Kawhi and what he said, you know, and what Kawhi was interested in, how much do you think that affected Kawhi's decision? Well, there was the report that, from Shelburne, I believe, that there was a chance that Kawhi Leonard's camp was holding sort of a trust test with his suitors. And so if that's true, and if they, they clearly didn't want anything to leak out. So I would believe that the Magic Johnson leak hurt them. I also think there's something endearing about what happened in Toronto where everyone was outside that hotel, but the stalking of his flight and his SUV, that's, you know, that's not a great look. I don't know how much it impacted. I would say 
the Magic Johnson discussion had to impact it at least a little, or maybe it doesn't matter because if you believe that the Raptors would have been second, and that's, I'm just too much of a bleeding heart. I said he, I thought he was going to go back to Toronto. I started to think I was wrong when we heard rumblings that he hadn't really talked about a short-term deal, and that's what I thought was in play for Toronto. I would still guess that they were second, and so if the Lakers were really third, I'm not sure how much the Magic Johnson stuff meant to him deciding not to sign there. You did yeah. make me think a little bit, though, about the Knicks. I I kind of threw away the Knicks canceling the Kawhi Leonard meeting a little bit in, in a good way, saying I'm not going to kill them for that. They weren't going to get him. But you have I have to you have to ask: Would they have had the assets now to have traded for Paul George from Oklahoma City if that's the mandate that Kawhi gave them? They weren't beating well, this Clippers offer. I no no. I think they get KD and Kawhi. If they if if they, if Kawhi goes into that meeting and says I'm coming if you get KD, I think they find I think they pony up the max. It, it, it becomes a different game. I don't even think because the first guy he wanted to team up with was KD. I think that was the motivation and how when the Knicks got a meeting with Kawhi or you know I think that was the motivation was him and KD teaming up in in New York. Uh, he originally wanted the Clippers, but I think that was I think. And I'm trying to read something into a guy that freaking nobody's been able to read. Right. So, you know, there's a good chance I'm wrong. But my gut would be that was the the thinking on, on Kawhi's side. So I don't know if they even would have had to. I don't think they'd had the assets. The Listen, the Clippers gave up a ton of picks. Two yeah, of them were Miamis. Like, it's not uh, – Yeah, you're not beating that. That offer, if they were always going to fork over that offer, it wasn't going to be beating. Yeah, it's – you, you, nobody's going to beat that. So I think that's the why. That's that's the why. That's the reason why. Um, you know, I think the the Knicks it, it it would change. The dominoes would have changed. It would have fallen differently. I think if he walks into his meeting with the Knicks June thirtieth and says, "You guys sign KD, I'm in." You know, and and maybe that changes the Nets situation. I mean, the Nets would probably still gotten Kyrie, but things everything changes from that point on. Um, so that's kind of the game, you know, and I don't think that's why I think you have to take the meeting. If you get a meeting with the star guy, you got to take the meeting. Well, the Even only if, thing I was thinking is he gave the meeting was a July, like Katie had already committed by the time that Kawhi was scheduled to meet with the Knicks. But part of that had to have been the Knicks already canceled the meeting. Fair. True. You know, like we don't know the order of events. Like if he says, "Look, I'm here hey, for for slandering the Knicks," so you go right ahead. I'm here for this. <laughs> well, no, my my problem with the Knicks. God, we're about to end the podcast, and now we're going into twenty. <laughs> <laughs> my problem with the Knicks, they're just not making enough. Like I'm okay with every deal they've signed. It's been a two. Their ever their plan is cash space in 2021. Great. Couldn't you have jumped in? and taken Dragic and gotten the first-round pick instead of the Clippers? Thank you. Like, why can't you make those moves? Why, Golden State gave up a first to give it to Iggy. <laughs> like, why aren't you jumping in on these things? Like, where are you? They went two deals too far, probably. Like, you didn't need Wayne Ellington and Reggie Bullock. You didn't need all the power forwards. You you could have not taken on. You didn't need to sign out for Pitt. You could have not taken signed two of those deals and at least gone after one, if not two trades to get picks in exchange for salary absorption. Yeah. It's just like, I just don't understand like why you can't make those kind of moves, you know, and why you felt like, you know, the funny thing is like they felt that the, the story I've heard is they felt the need to get up to the floor. I'm like, you have till next June to get to the floor. Is it really the worst thing in the world not to reach it? You pay your own players more money basically. Yeah, by the way, I don't understand why teams, like, I'd be fine with it. It does it, it does probably create a weird environment where, like, once players kind of catch on to it, going like, man, I hope we don't make any trades, dude. Like, <laughs> like don't bring anybody else in. We don't want him. <laughs> you know, we want yeah. that next million we're getting. Um, you know, so I just don't understand. Man, you, it was like an overreaction. I like the Julius Randle signing. You know, whatever you want to say, they got his early bird rights with that. You know, if if they feel like he's a piece, they can use that to, to sign to a bigger deal. Like, I kind of like that stuff. But you could have just, like you said, they just went too far. Like, really? You had to go sign Alfred Payton? Like, really? Like, that was necessary? You couldn't just wait? Like, just 
get the assets. And that's what drives me with the Knicks. And then the other side of it, too, is like when you get a meeting with the star player, that's your opportunity to show off your franchise. Like meet with him, even if you don't think you could get him. Meet with him. Okay, fine. He's going to delay He's going to delay it till July 5th. Fine. You know what? The Lakers waited. That's fine. You know, like every, nobody's going to be mad at you if you waited for Kawhi to make the decision. Nobody's saying like, oh, man, the Lakers blew it. They should have won after. Man, how pissed off would we have been if the Lakers gave Brogdon 30 million or whatever the max was, you know, to, instead of going after Kawhi? Like I'd have been like, that's nice. I go, Brogdon is a good piece, but you're overpaying for him when you could wait for Kawhi. Like all these things just. You got to wait these things out and, and, and explore every option. And I just don't feel like the Knicks did that. And that's what's disappointing because, you know what, I want the Knicks to be good. It's fun when the Knicks are good. You know, we, we, we need them to get better and get smarter. I'm OK with the moves they've made because they're clearing up for two, you know, two years from now. But, man, you could have just been smarter and gotten a few assets out of that deal. Happy to see all the big markets thriving. LeBron and AD on the Lakers, Kawhi and PG with the Clippers, KD and Kyrie in Brooklyn with the Nets, and the Knicks have Bobby Portis and RJ Barrett. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But you you also have some fun small market teams. Utah is going to be a ton of fun. Indy is going to be a ton of fun. Listen, if New Orleans isn't a league pass team for you, man, y'all got to stop watching basketball because that's going to be a fun Yeah, Zion Williamson basically ended Kevin Knox's career in summer league uh, before he got to the first half. That was – we're going to have to do a deep dive into the just off seasons all around once we get the bandwidth – it, I'm sure this won't be the last emergency podcast that we hold, though. Well, we're waiting for the Westbrook news to drop. You know, we might be on a podcast this afternoon, Dan. Get ready. Yeah. Um, and with that in mind, we will spare you guys from anything else that we have to say uh, in hopes that this is not outdated by the time that you listen to it, because I will be publishing it post-haste. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, don't forget to follow the show, Mo, me, Andy, on Twitter. Subscribe. That's the important thing. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, I'll be leaving everybody with a shout out to Kyle Anderson and Mo Will. My man Jalen Brunson, man, I see you, bro. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.